Hello and welcome to the Feel It to Heal It podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Kelly, and I am a clinically trained therapist, emotional wellness and life coach, and healer. My mission is to help as many humans as possible feel safe to feel their feelings in order to create a life beyond their wildest dreams. Thank you for being here and let's dive in. Hello, everyone. So I am about to go live with my friend, Nadia. So what you are about to hear is my live with her talking all about relational healing. All right, let's get ready to rumble. Healing sister, Rachel Kelly, is going to be joining in any moment. And we're going to be diving in to a deep conversation around how healing impacts our relationships. I'm so excited to join her in this as she is one of my really good friends that I met through my healing journey. Mm -hmm. So I just thought it was perfect to invite her onto my page so that we can chat about it. Rachel is also a therapist and a coach, and I will allow her to introduce herself when she arrives. (laughs) So we'll just give everybody a minute to... My Instagram decided to um, upgrade. I didn't know you had upgraded it to request to join videos. I was able to request before. I don't know what's going on. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy. Sorry for the delay, everyone. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> Thank you for your patience. It's going to be really good playback for everyone. <laughs> Definitely. We know we know how to start start it up just right. So exactly right. It's right yeah. on par. <laughs> yes. Oh, hello. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. I'm so happy that you're here. Yay. Yay. I'm excited to dive into all the things. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Well, first of all, I introduced you a little bit, but I would love for you to introduce yourself. Yeah. Uh, Just, you know, telling anybody who's here watching this live or who watches it later, who you are, what you do and what brought you to doing it. Okay. Oh, I feel like I could, yeah, just, uh, write a whole novel on this, which I am, but, uh, to start, let's see. So my name is Rachel. Um, I am from New York. I'm currently in San Diego, California. I moved here August, 2019, and I was in the traditional therapy world. I got my master's in clinical social work and graduated 2016. I was in the field since then, and decided that it was not for me anymore. So I left and started my own healing business. So I am the founder of Rachel Kelly Coaching and been in business for a little over a year and a half now and found that the traditional therapy world, I mean, for many reasons was not aligned, but um, really the universe just kind of supported me in doing my own thing. Uh, and I just feel so much more, yeah, at just so much more aligned overall and doing this healing work. Um, and the way that I work has shifted so much after going on my own healing journey 
I used to do a lot of typical, you know, DBT, CBT, all of the evidence-based treatments in the therapy world. And then when I started my own healing journey and started working with my mentor, we got real deep into the root, started processing my childhood trauma, my anxious attachment, my fear of abandonment, um, really completely rewiring my nervous system. And this is something that I had never done in my like 20 years of being a client in therapy um, and never knew how to do that for my clients as well from the therapist position. So learning this method of healing has just completely changed my life and changed the way in which I work with people and has really taught me that unless we are getting into the body and also healing relationally, we're not actually healing at a nervous system level. So that is my mission. My passion is to help people feel safe to process the stored pain in their bodies, to heal their anxious attachment so that they can really feel safe enough to create their vision for their life because healing just to heal is not enough. It's healing so that we can actually live how we want to live and feel how we want to feel. So that's a, a little bit of me. <laughs> It's so beautifully said, and especially this last part of like, you can't heal just to heal. Like healing just to heal is whatever, right? right. But healing to get back to your own truth, mm -hmm. it's everything, and it, it's it's what you have done, it's what you're currently doing in your own life, and what you're helping clients do, which is just beautiful. Yeah, it's uh, it really reminds you why putting in the work is worth it and necessary, because I think on any deep healing journey and you're going through it and you're like, why, why am I doing this to myself? Right? Like it feels like this self-imposed torture at times. And then you realize like, oh, okay. Like it's actually shifting. It's moving things. And I'm starting to notice these changes and relate differently. And it is so worth it. So that's what I always drive home to my clients is like, I never sugarcoat it. Like this work is painful. It's hard. And it's so worth it because it goes back to choosing your hard, right? Suffering is hard. Feeling pain is hard. One leads you to living your life that you want to live and the other keeps you stuck. So we get yeah. to choose, which is a beautiful thing. Yeah, it is. It is so beautiful. And I, I love this. I love all of this. <laughs> and this is such a beautiful segue to the topic that we're going to talk about today. And I'll just quickly introduce myself too, for anybody that sees me on your page. Yeah. So my name is Nadia Ray Alialgut. I am a clinically trained therapist along Rachel. Um, I studied the depth psychological tradition at Pacifica Graduate Institute, which is really the study of the unconscious, right? And so for me, I do so much similar work to what Rachel does and for the reason of reconnecting to our souls, right? Mm -hmm. It's the same thing that Rachel was talking about <laughs> in the sense of, we heal so that we can connect with our truth. We can connect to our vision. We connect to our why. And then we live from that place so that we're no longer being unconsciously led by our wounding. We now become the leaders of our lives. Yes. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's just a little bit about me and why I invited Rachel to come join me today is because Rachel is one of my really good friends and Rachel is one of my friends that I found in my healing journey. Hi, Alyssa. Yeah. I'm so happy you're here. Mm. Um, and 
Rachel and I were together a couple weeks ago, which is crazy that it's already been. Feels like yesterday. <laughs> you know. um, time. What is time? A couple weeks ago, and we were just really reflecting on how beautiful our friendship and level of connection, not knowing each other that well before me actually going to San Diego to visit her. Yeah. And quality and the depth that our relationship got to in just the span of a few days because of the healing that we have both done. Yeah. And so we're like, we have to talk about this. We have to bring this to the general public because so often I get asked by my clients, well, what's going to happen to my relationships? What's going to happen to my friendships? Am I going to outgrow people, et cetera, et cetera. And we're like, okay, we need to talk about this. Yeah, <laughs> totally. For you to talk just a little bit about whatever's coming to you in regards to this. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm so happy we're talking about this because I think not only you and I can relate so personally about just this own journey in our own lives, but this has been something that has been coming up a lot with my clients lately is like, it's this part of the healing journey where you are starting to really look at the old ways that you've been relating to the world, right? Relating to yourself, relating in your closest relationships. And then as you start to shift that and relating through authenticity, through alignment, rather than through attachment, it can start to feel really isolating. So you're around your, you know, people in your world and they're all relating in the same ways. And then you start to shift out of that and you're like, wait, I'm over here and it feels like they're here and we're just feeling this disconnection. And I'll never forget in my own journey where I told my mentor, like, this feels so lonely. And she looked at me and she's like, sometimes it's good to be lonely. And that's something that I now share with my clients is like, I know that it feels really scary and almost like weird and like something's off. You're like, I feel like I'm on my own little Island over here and it can feel really disorienting in a way. And I think that's the thing is like just normalizing that in the sense that you do go through this transition where you, you do feel that loneliness and that isolation. And then when you're able to sit in the void of that, in the unknown of like, how long am I going to feel this way? you know, when am I ever going to meet someone who's more aligned? You know, what's going to happen with these friendships that I'm feeling disconnected from? Are they going to come with me and like also do this healing work or are they going to not? And so it's just a plethora of unknowns at that point. And then when you stick with it, and so this is kind of like the way that I visualize, I'm a very visual person. The way I visualize it is like, this is kind of the make or break point of, will you get small again and go back to your old ways, your old behaviors, your old ways of thinking and feeling and relating, or can you stay in that unknown period long enough to get to the magic on the other side, which is attracting people, friendships, relationships, opportunities, jobs, whatever it may be that you're wanting to call in that are just so much more aligned and feel like so worth the wait. That's the best way I can describe it is like, oh, okay, this is why I had to wait for this, right? Um, and it doesn't mean by any means that you don't have those people in your life anymore. Sometimes, yes, like 
since starting this journey, there have been people that just naturally I've kind of drifted apart from, and they're no longer in my life. Um, and then other people where they are still in my life, but it looks differently. So maybe I'm not talking to them as much as I used to, or maybe when we talk, I'm just not going as deep as I ideally would want to, because I'm just meeting them where they're at. So it's, you know, it's this like balancing act of holding the faith and the vision and feeling safe enough to do that and getting clear in what you really want while also knowing it, it's not going to be this like all or nothing black or white thing where it's like, I'm cutting people out left. Like, that's not how we do it. It's just like, the more that you focus on you, the more that you come home to you, the more organically everything else will start to align. So that's, you know, how you and I got to, to be where we're at is because when most people meet each other for the first time, maybe they're talking about like, just more like small talk things or they're, you know, just like relating in a different way. You and I met and we had only met in person one other time before you would come to visit me and we're able to just go there <laughs> because we know that we've, you know, done the work to feel safe enough to really like show all parts of ourselves, all authentic parts of ourselves. So that type of dynamic just allows for such deeper connection. And with that deeper connection, it allows for deeper expansion too. And so all of it is just like this, you know, beautiful art form of like transforming together um, while also being with the pain that comes with your former relationships shifting and those, you know, dynamics changing to the point where you start to feel that loneliness creep in and you're like, what is this? What, why am I feeling this way? No, I mean, everything you said is, is beautiful and on point and I relate to it. And I know that other people watching it can relate to it. It's a death. Mm -hmm. Like is this cyclical death. Yeah. Right. And we're so afraid of death, right? We don't talk about it. We don't have any ritual around it in a literal sense or in a figurative sense, right? Mm -hmm. but, um, figurative sense, but healing is a death. And we have to be able to grieve that, right? That loneliness yeah. that we're feeling in the like, oh, I'm not who I used to be. Mm -hmm. I don't relate to the world in the way that I used to be. I don't want to go out and party with my friends in the way I used to want to, right? Yeah. I can't these people in the way that I used to. That all comes with a grief, right? And that totally. loneliness is, is real and it's valid and it's asking you, okay, how do you tend to this? How do you come home to yourself? Right. You feel like you're okay. So you feel this with your husband. Yes. Mm -hmm. At the threshold of a death in a relationship. So uh, yes. I, I want to say to this, I hear you. Firstly, I hear you. Uh, secondly, Marion Woodman, my favorite person in the world. <laughs> if you're in uh, <laughs> one of my groups, I, I give so much, uh, Marion Woodman work and videos and things like that to watch because I love her so much. But she really talked about how when you're in a relationship, and this is true for friends as well, but I'm going to use it in the in the context of you and your husband, is that she talked about when you're married, you have multiple marriages inside that one. Mm -hmm. That's so true. And this is 
exactly what Rachel was talking about too, in the sense of like, some of these people that she is still friends with, it just looks differently, right? It just looks different. And that's what Marion would talk about. She says, you have an average of three to four marriages in one lifetime with someone. Mm -hmm. So my curiosity for you is how do you hold the tension of with this maybe being a death and that there may be a rebirth on the other side? right? In some form, whether that's you two stay together or not, I don't know, right? But what is that newness? What is being birthed from this death? Yeah. And getting up, right. And, and to bring it back in the context of, you know, what we're talking about more specifically here, it's like, there is always the birth after the death, right? Always. <laughs> And birth is messy too. Yeah. And sometimes we lose sight that that birth is coming and we're like, damn it, this death is so painful. Like what, what's the point of all of it? And then the birth happens and you're like, oh, okay. It's all making sense now. Got it. Got it. Yeah. You're, you're Message perfect. received universe. <laughs> well, it, it takes a minute, right? It takes a minute. Um, and often, well, it takes longer than a minute. Let's be real. Yeah, I'm pretty long minute. <laughs> uh, you know, but I have lots of friends in my life where I remember early in my healing journey as I first started going to therapy as an adult. I did as a, in a as an adolescent, but when I did as an adult, I began feeling like I was relating to the world differently. I began seeing things that I didn't see before, and noticed that I had a very low tolerance for the dynamics that were at play in my friendship. So I started to peel back. I started to peel back. And I got into that very scared inner child place of like, well, what if this person leaves me? What if yeah. what if I get abandoned or rejected by this person for not being that same version of myself? Right. And mm-hmm. this is where that early attachment stuff comes in, right? Where we're choosing attachments to people even when they don't feel super soul nourishing. And I remember being able to be like, okay, and I still have to be true to myself, mm-hmm. right? And I need to do that. I was really surprised how many friends were able to meet me in a new way. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. Like, right. We have this assumption that people can't meet us. Right. And we carry that. And then we don't leave room for people to actually meet us at the level we want to be met at. Totally. I mean, oh my God. Yes, exactly. Like. I think also that also it's like this fear of if they can't meet us and we get some type of response that can almost feel re-triggering to our inner child. So in the, in those moments, it feels safer to just not stay true to ourselves and to even give them the opportunity to meet us. Cause I've had that happen with people where like, you know, some friendships have just changed dynamics, but a lot of friendships have actually decided to kind of come with me on this journey and they may not be in the same, you know, place or spot, or they might be working on different things. But at the end of the day, it's like by you choosing you and you honoring you, there's always going to be a mixture of response to that of people either, you know, saying, oh, she's changed a lot. What is she doing? Like I've, I've even had friends who are like, she's, she's talking differently, like just having all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I am talking differently because I'm an evolved version of myself. And so maybe that 
you know, before I wasn't walking around talking about inner child all day and now I do. So that is different. Right. So I think trusting that those that are meant to come with you or are able to meet you in the way that you want to be met, they will. And if they're not able to, it doesn't have to mean anything about you. Because from an inner child perspective, we internalize everything. So we say, oh, you know, they're not accepting me of this new version or, you know, they're not able to meet me where I'm at. And therefore, you know, I'm going to be abandoned. I'm unsafe. I'm unlovable. Like we have all these beliefs that come up. And in reality, it's just you coming home to you, you are still safe. And think about how inspiring, like at least with my own friends, there's been so many friends that have looked at me going on this journey and they're like, oh no, I'm good. I'm going to, you know, stay back here and that's fine. And others that have joined me and they said, like, if it weren't for you doing this first and leading the way and showing me what's possible and even giving me that gentle, loving push when I needed it, because I can be a little pushy (laughs) and some people are really receptive to that. Others aren't, you know, then I wouldn't be healing these things. And the amount that I've been able to like, particularly one friend who has joined me on this, like we've been able, we've known each other forever. So we've known like that, you know, really young adult version and the current version and just seeing how our friendship has evolved in that because of choosing me and allowing you know, again, the organic process of people either aligning to that or not to happen without trying to control it or force it, like such a beautiful thing, right? That like these friendships now are given that chance to evolve if they're meant to. So it's a lot of, again, being with the unknown, releasing that control, which requires a lot of that um, nervous system rewiring to feel safe to do that. Exactly, exactly. And and that's where I was going to take this too. I I love everything that you said. And for so many of us, we can think cognitively that we it doesn't mean anything about us, mm-hmm. right? Meet us, right? And then there's that layer of shame that happens underneath of like, I know this, but why do I still feel this way? Why do yeah. I still feel responsible? Why totally. do I still feel less than? Why do I have all these stories about me that I am creating, right? Mm-hmm. And this is where our work and the work that a lot of other people are doing is that we have to actually rewire our nervous systems to feel safe, to let go of those stories that used to provide that false sense of safety. Totally. It's like bridging the gap between our body and our minds. Our minds are saying one thing and we're feeling completely different. And we're like, why is this disconnected right now? Exactly. Totally. And then the shame comes, Mm -hmm. right? Stories get even heavier. They get more dense. You can break through them less and less. And then we go, oh, but I shouldn't be feeling this way. Mm -hmm. No, right. How many times? So many times. done that in our lives right yeah I know that lots of times so many times and it's yeah it's like trying to make sense of something and it does make sense but in the moment it doesn't always feel clear because you're like I I know this right I know this and what's actually happening in my body around it and a lot of the time that's you know our I kind of view it as like the inner child and that core childhood trauma 
that's stored in the body versus like these thoughts that sometimes either come out of that, or we have thoughts that are coming more from like that higher self place of like being able to view things in a different way, but unless we're actually processing what's happening in our bodies, the two stay disconnected. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Right. The body speaks where the conscious mind can't. Mm -hmm. So the body doesn't lie. So that anxiety that you feel, that hypervigilance, that needing to uh, put so much focus on the other person. Yeah. Ways that this shows up is really, okay, there's something happening in my body that maybe I'm not consciously aware of, right? Right. That's that depth psychological work. What is actually happening for me underneath the surface? Yeah, totally. So badly. (laughs) All of us. That's the thing. Like the amount of times that I've heard, like, but I haven't had trauma. It's because we are so poorly educated on what trauma is. We hear the word trauma. We think of wars. We think of accidents. We think of, you know, tsunamis. Like, yes, all of that is trauma. And we all have experienced moments in our lives, in our childhoods where we were not properly attuned to. And so relational trauma is the sneakier trauma. It's the trauma that shows up in the day-to-day moments that, you know, creates that subtle energy of feeling like, again, our, our mind is saying, you know, or we're saying to our partner, like, yeah, that's totally fine with us. And inside, like our inner child is freaking out. <laughs> so, right. Like totally not okay. Yeah. Exactly. So that's why it always goes back to relational healing is like, we can do, I talked about this in my stories this morning, like we can do all the practices, right? We can meditate every day, like five hours a day. We could do all these things and we don't live in isolation. We live in connection and in attachment with others. And so if we're not actually having those reparative experiences, like you and I, right? Like this was reparative, I think for both of us to be able to show up, not even knowing each other for very long and being able to just fully be our, our fullest authentic selves and have that be fully, not only received, but like celebrated and embraced. That's more rare than we think it is. Cause so much, we, so much of the time we're just getting small, we're sacrificing and to be able to just fully show up, have the other person receive that, celebrate that and like nurture it. I mean, oh, it's everything. It is everything. Right. And what comes up for me is also feeling safe enough to be seen in that way. Mm -hmm. So much of the work that we do is because we don't feel safe to be seen. This is what relational trauma is, right? If it wasn't safe to be seen, even in minuscule, very subtle ways in childhood, we grow up to learn to choose attachments we choose to choose or we, we choose to choose how many times can I say choose? <laughs> we choose to choose it's true it's true <laughs> but we unconsciously choose showing up in these kind of false masks in this false self this self that we think is going to be more accepted and we hide and push our authenticity push our soul down further and further into the unconscious and it creates even more discrepancy between our true self and the false self that we're presenting right and so what Mm -hmm. happens when we still have 
unhealed trauma in a dysregulated nervous system is that we don't feel safe to be seen fully because being seen would mean being rejected, being abandoned, not being attuned to, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And we can't risk those parts being seen. Right. right? Hope that y'all are following in the sense of like, this is your inner child. Mm-hmm. Right. Because the reality is as adults, we can't actually be abandoned, but we can be judged, criticized, all of those things. And to the inner child, it feels like if we are any of those things, we will be abandoned, we will be left and we will die. So again, cognitively, we know we're not going to die. And that's how it feels. It feels like, oh, this person is judging me or rejecting me or invalidating me or whatever it is. It feels like I'm dying. And so being able to tend to that younger part and be able to relate fully from our adult selves. And I don't even like saying adult self because it's like, it's so much more than that. Cause you know, you can, it, it's relating through your whole self, like showing all parts. And like you said, feeling safe to be seen in all of those parts. Like when you visited, I shared things with you that, you know, I felt safe to share that I probably wouldn't share with maybe friends that I've known for like years and years. Right. Because in order to be able to fully see another human and all their parts, you have to first be able to do that for yourself in order to hold another person's pain. You have to learn how to hold your own pain. And we do that through co-regulation through relational healing. But if we haven't done that, you're going to go deep. And then this person's going to be able to meet you here and then you're not going to feel seen and then it's going to feel re-traumatizing. So uh-huh. it's being intentional with who you share those things with. And also knowing that if a person can't meet you noticing like, okay, what am I making this mean about me? And it just allows more space for, um, healing and coming into relationship with those parts that are coming up. Exactly. Right. And, and it's so true around noticing our bodies when we're around certain people, when we share things, what's the energetic vibration? Are we being fully held? Right. Mm -hmm. Because so much of what can happen. And I know that this, this has been true for me a lot in the past is I would share something and it would be held well, but I'd perceive it as not being held well. Yeah. used to run, to avoid, to blame, to externalize all of these different things. Right. Right. And so it's getting really real around, okay, I just shared this vulnerable thing is how I'm being received, how I'm being held actually not nourishing. Is it actually not safe? Or is there something in me that feels really, really scared and is looking for a reason to blame? Right. Yes. (laughs) That's why we exist as like healing therapists, right? Right. To provide that initial deep reparative experience so that you can go out and live your life in the world, not feeling like you need to constantly monitor. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Cause I think something really important that you pointed out is like, it's not just about how is this going to be received by the other person, but what emotionally is it going to bring up for me to actually share and show these parts that have been for so long repressed in even subtle ways. So that might actually bring up a lot of shame of like, oh, I'm sharing this really vulnerable thing. It's being held and it's being met. And I might still be feeling a lot of shame right now or a lot of fear 
around, you know, is this person just saying that it's okay, but they're secretly judging me, right? Like we get into these spirals in our heads um, that are all just trying to protect us from that risk of abandonment and, and judgment and all the potential threats that our minds are just like working so hard to prevent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And it's not logical. Right. This is why our minds can't protect us. This is why we create self-fulfilling prophecies. This is, you know, why all of the self-sabotage comes in because our bodies are always saying one thing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. One thing. And we need to learn how to listen to our bodies. Yeah. Not listen to the mind. Right. And it's like the hardest thing ever, right? It's such a simple concept and the most difficult thing ever. If yeah. This wasn't thing, we wouldn't have jobs. Right. <laughs> totally. I mean, like, that would be the best gift ever is like one day we're like, oh, okay, there's no more people to heal. Like, everyone's good. Okay, great. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, it's so true. It's, it's one of the hardest things it's, you know, our minds are really designed to help us survive, but 99% of the time, if not more, we're actually safe. And when we need to be in that survival mode, like we'll know. Right. But I think so much of the time is like our minds are working so hard to survive that it just sucks the joy out of actually like giving ourselves a chance to be happy. And so that's where it comes to like really getting into the body of like, what's, what's coming up. So anytime you notice, like I always tell my clients, anytime you notice your mind start to spiral, your protectors coming up. So protectors can be control comparison. I just had a session before this where my client was doing a ton of comparison. And we realized like that was one of her main protectors that we didn't really realize before. And so we're exploring like, what is the comparison actually protecting you from? And all protectors, the root of all of them is just trying to keep you safe from being abandoned, from dying, from something that feels life-threatening in in your body. And when we actually come into relationship with those protectors, people-pleasing, that's another huge one when we talk about authenticity versus attachment, like really staying true to your authentic self, the root of all of it is like, if I release this control, release this people pleasing, what's going to happen again, this big unknown, how is this person going to respond if I stop prioritizing them over me? So many of my relationships have been, I am Rachel, the caretaker. I am good at holding people. I'm good at taking care of others. I am a reliable source of that for them. That doesn't mean that that's not part of my natural nature. And a lot of it was a trauma response of like, if I actually say no to this person or, you know, say that I need to prioritize myself, like, how is that going to be received? Or are they going to think differently of me? So it's this constant checking your mind of like, okay, I notice these protectors are coming up. I know that this is trying to keep me safe. Thank you. Thank you for trying to keep me safe. And what's actually happening emotionally, because it is protecting you from emotion that your mind does not perceive as safe to feel, but in reality, it is safe to feel. We have to, we have to feel it. Even when it feels like that emotion is going to kill us, I promise you it will not, it will not kill you. (laughs) Yeah, it's so true. You know, in my healing program journey into the mature feminine, the first six weeks 
are really about the descent. It's really getting into childhood. It's really getting into the stories we create. It's getting into trauma and wounding and ego and shadow. And it's kind of a running joke in my group that they think I'm trying to kill them. <laughs> right. I, I laugh. I, you know, like I do so much holding in that space that the first six weeks are kind of brutal. Yeah. Kind of hard trudging through it's like you're you've just entered the war zone or Mm -hmm. so it feels right but so much of it and I think you speak to this so beautifully Rachel is is like we have to face our pain and facing our pain is hard yeah right hard it is scary you feel like you're gonna die right it's like you're going it's like you're getting on the battlefield and you know that you're going towards something that's scary yeah it's it's so hard, right? Let's call it what it is. It's so hard. And it's so much easier than we think it is. Mm -hmm. Right. That's the paradox is that when we get to the other side, we go, oh my gosh, I didn't know that I could do that. I didn't know I could feel that. Yeah. So much easier now. And it doesn't make me feel like I'm going to die. Right. Right. Showing our bodies that it is safe to experience difficult emotion. It is safe to experience pain. It is safe to hold it instead of run away from it. Yeah. And when we fall into people pleasing and perfectionism and control and all the addictive behaviors, we're actually staying in the suffering Mm -hmm. and the suffering keeps us stuck forever. Yeah. Talk about hard. That is hard. (laughs) That's way harder. Yeah. Totally. Right? That is 100% harder. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it really is. How do we kind of titrate where this is kind of therapy jargon right now, but how do we titrate the experience of going into things that are difficult and then coming back and regrounding? Yeah. They're difficult. Okay. Coming back and regrounding. And then in the sense of relationships and friendships, we have to do that too. Yeah. Right? Because it's we're healing there can be this inclination of like, well, I'm healed and I can just share myself with the world, mm-hmm. right? No, do that. Don't, <laughs> don't <laughs> just meet them, tell them all your deepest things because you think you can do that now. Right, right. right. You're going to have a vulnerability hangover. Yeah, it's going to feel exhausting. <laughs> right? Yeah. So it's really learning, okay, how do you use discretion in what you share and who you share it with? Right. That's so- yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. It's intentionality, right? It's like, I think sometimes people get stuck in the, well, if I'm supposed to be authentic, then how do I not share all authentic parts at right? Cause that's what's authentic, but it's intentionality. And it's also like you described earlier, if the energy behind the sharing is actually coming from a trauma response, that's not actually authenticity because authenticity allows you to feel safe in your body to just be with what's coming up and then saying, does this feel like an intentional aligned share with this person? Does this feel like a safe nervous system? Um, and sometimes it is, and sometimes it isn't. And sometimes we think it is, and then it turns out not to be right. And so this is part of releasing the control is like, and the perfectionism, it's not going to look perfect. It's going to be messy because relational healing is messy. There's going to be times where, you know, people have the best of intentions and they don't hold you well, or 
you know, they are holding you well, but your own shame's getting in the way. And so there's so much that can happen. And that's why really like, it's an art form. That's, I always go back to like healing is an art form. It's not this like boxed thing where it's like, yes or no, right or wrong. It's, it's messy because each human has their own layers to peel back their own trauma, their own wounds. Um, and part of the relational healing, this, this actually was a big one for me is like not expecting the other person to just get it right all the time, because that was coming from my own wound of like wanting my mom to just like fully take ownership, like fully own her stuff. And she never was able to. And so now if someone's like not able to own that, I'm like, oh, can you just own it? And it's like, people are human, right? We have to have grace and space and just compassion for meeting people where they're at and looking at where are we going into this interaction with expectations that are not actually from a grounded, authentic place, but from a, I want to get some need met from you because I'm not meeting my own needs. So it is messy and it's okay. It's okay that it's messy. Okay. That it's messy. Exactly. Right. And, and learning that compassion isn't compliance. Yes. (laughs) Right. Such a big one. We can have compassion for everyone, right? And we have to learn, okay, and what do I actually have energy for? What actually feels safe in my body? Right. Right. There's so many times where I've outgrown friendships because I have deep compassion for them, but I don't have the codependency anymore. Yeah. I don't have reliance on the attachment and needing to keep that attachment to feel safe right right so it's peeling back and going okay I love this person I care about this person I want them to live a healthy wonderful life and I can't do this yeah in the same way and I can't be the one who's always pioneering us forward right I can't be responsible for you doing your healing work totally and that's coach too because when you do your healing work so many of us become the pioneers mm-hmm. for lives and you spoke to this too Rach and it's amazing when people in your lives can understand that hold it respect it and be able to keep that more boundary yeah. right you can be inspirational to somebody without being responsible for them right but they're all going to be people that want you to save them mm-hmm. totally your journey yeah right how do you continue to come home to you and not fall into the rescuer role totally That's so big and, and uh, so relatable <laughs> yeah it's so relatable and I think this is where it gets sneaky is like I know for me I would use my almost like intellectualization of it when it comes to compassion of like, oh, but I understand why they're acting that way. I see why they're acting that way. This is coming from X, Y, Z trauma, right? Like I get it. And just because I get it doesn't mean that I have to choose to continue relating in that way. That's not actually serving me or the other person. Cause I think that's something that we oftentimes justify to ourselves is like, oh, I'm saving this person or I'm you know, relating to them in this way, because I want to help them. 
And the best thing that you can do to help someone is actually to continue to come home to you and relate through your authentic self. Because even though it feels in those moments that you're doing them a favor by, you know, continuing to go through these same cycles, like there was a friend where we were going through the same cycle and it was like, she knew that I was always that person that was just going to like hold validate, you know, just be with her while she was upset. Like, and it just was this repetition where nothing was actually changing. And so in my mind, I'm like, oh, I'm being a great friend. Cause I'm consistently there for her. But then I was like, this isn't actually being a good friend because it's enabling the same behavior over and over and not actually prioritizing me. And in prioritizing me and creating a little bit of that disconnect, it actually allowed her to kind of face more of herself And she chose to start working on it, right? So like when we lose some of those safety crutches or those people that feel like a crutch, it, it in a way is like that tough love sometimes that we need of being like, okay, let me actually sit with myself right now and let me choose what I need to do to actually heal this. So I think it can be sneaky where we're used to being the ones that have been you know, the caretaker, the, the savior, the, whatever it is. And we think we're helping, but in reality, it's not helping at all. And that's a really hard truth to sit with. Cause then you look at your behavior and you're like, oh yeah, this is not actually helpful. So how can I shift it? Totally. Right. And so often we don't actually do it for the other person. We do it for ourselves. Totally. Yeah. And we convince ourselves that we're doing it for this other person when really yeah. we're not feeling safe. What happens if we don't do this? Right. Oh my God. A hundred percent. We don't need them. Right. Yeah. I'm not safe if this person gets mad that I don't show up a certain way. Yeah. How early of a wound that is for so many of us, right? That is the wound of not feeling safe to be authentic. Mm-hmm. And so this is the work again and again and again is how do we come home to ourselves? Right. How do we check in? Okay, what's actually alive in me? What's actually important? What am I avoiding through people pleasing or staying in friendships or relationships that don't actually feel feed my soul? Yeah. Right? What am I avoiding? Right. And then giving yourself a lot of grace and a lot of compassion. Yeah, totally. And I think just to add to that, not only is it a wound that's being triggered of not feeling safe to be your authentic self, but it's also think back to how many of our childhoods, if not all of our childhoods were stemmed from if parent isn't okay, I'm not safe. Right. And so, so many of those partners that we attract or those friendships or the people in our lives, it's, I'm helping them because they're not okay. And if they're not okay, I don't feel okay. Right. That, that was such a big one for me in healing anxious attachment is like being able to actually kind of take the reins out of my hands and be like, this isn't mine. This isn't mine. And I have to be okay with the fact that people I love are not okay. And being with the fear of that, being with the sadness of that and understanding that the more that I can be with those emotions rather than those emotions driving the behavior, that's actually what's going to be in everyone's best interest. And it is so much easier said than done. I mean, that's right. That's what healing is. is yeah. How do we feel 
what's underneath the behavior. Right. And it's, it's so real. I mean, we could talk about this forever. Yeah, it's it's a big one. I know that we have to wrap up soon. I would just love to hear how you help people do this in the course that you have come home to yourself. Yeah. Idol, given what we've been talking about. Yeah, it's also my my first tattoo because I'm like, that is just the thing that it all comes back to. It's how do we come home to ourselves with all of this, right? And like that is the core of relational healing is we're feeling safe to be with ourselves and with others. So um, my four-month group called Come Home to Yourself is all about the journey of healing anxious attachment into building not only secure attachment with yourself, but with others and also just the world, like really getting clear on how do you want to spend your time and energy? How do you want to relate? How do you want to live your life? Like, what do you actually want to create in your life? And how are you not honoring that? How are you not prioritizing that? Um, So we really focus on building the internal safety we need to feel safe, to come home to yourself, to feel safe, to release a lot of those addictive behaviors and protectors that are keeping you stuck in suffering. Because as I always say, short-term pain is always easier than long-term suffering. And as someone who has suffered for years, despite all the therapy I was going to, all of the things that I was doing, all the practices, like all of it, I was still so deeply suffering from anxious attachment because I did not feel safe to fully choose me. And in healing my own anxious attachment, I've been able to, you know, we can only meet others as far as we've met ourselves. So the more that I heal myself, the more that I'm able to guide others and be like, oh, this is what's coming up for you. This is that sneaky inner child running the show because our inner child is just trying to get their needs met. And so if we're not meeting them, they're going to find a million other ways to get those needs met. And so I really help you in not only releasing the external saving, but like being with the deep shame that comes up when you look at how you've been relating, because it can bring up a lot of shame. Um, So it's four months. We have weekly two hour Zoom calls. We have um, 12 different modules that go through all these different topics of healing the nervous system, the inner child, how your attachment wound directly affects abundance. This is something Nadia and I have been talking a lot about this week is like how my inner child was actually blocking me from receiving abundance and um, visions for my business that I had wanted. So we really kind of suss out that subtle energy of like, how is your attachment wound sneakily running all areas of your life? And how can we build the safety that you need to shift it and really process that stored pain. So it's a small, intimate group of women. And um, I also run a men's group too. So open to, to anyone who is wanting to do this work. It is just the most amazing work you could do. Um, you're such a powerful healer, Rachel. Thank you. Truly. So are you. I mean, it's so fortunate to have somebody as dedicated and as loving as you. Oh, thank you. That means a lot. Yeah, mm. I have my journey into the mature feminine three month group. That's very similar to yours, Rachel. Right? Yeah. But 
the thing that I think differentiates them is that I don't focus on anxious attachment. I yeah. focus on soul. Mm-hmm. I focus on living from soulfulness. Yeah. And so we do a lot of blending of psychology and spirituality, right? And as Rachel talked about earlier, I'm very big into embodied spirituality. I'm not into the spiritual bypassing. I'm not into the, you do A, B, and Z, you meditate, pull tarot, you go get Reiki and you're healed. Don't do that. If only only it were that easy. (laughs) Lots of people want it to be that easy, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Convince themselves that it's that easy. And I was one of them. Yeah, totally. Right, so that comes from a loving place. But we have to heal our nervous systems. We have to heal our nervous system so we feel safe to live from our soul's purpose. Otherwise, our soul gets totally trampled by our trauma, mm-hmm. right? And the next lifetime, if you believe in that, I do. It's like our souls are here to go through that same lesson again. Yeah. I don't want, oh, I don't no. want that for you. Let's learn <laughs> the lessons we, now. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> so we do a lot of that trauma healing, nervous system rewiring, shadow work. In order to cross the threshold from the archetype of the maiden, which a lot of the time is, it's that young feminine energy that's still stuck in the wounded inner child, right? Right. It's the same thing. And then we cross the threshold to the embodied mother, right? The nurturing, grounded, um, self-sourced woman who leads her life versus somebody who's led by her wounding like the maiden. So that's what we do. And... Yeah, it yeah. starts uh, late March and there's still spots open if anyone's yeah. interested in more of that mystic realm. Yes. And Nadia is such a powerful healer too, like literally so, so powerful. And I love that you use your intuitive gifts in your work too. Like I'm sure if you guys saw when she was visiting, she gave me a tarot reading and it's the beautiful part is like, you can go to any tarot reader and they're going to just, you know, do their thing with the cards and their intuition. But because you are this beautiful combination of like the intuitive, you know, the tarot, the, the psychological, the healer, like all of it combined, it's just this amazing, powerful, magical potion. And just, yeah, it was, it was spot on. And we've been talking all week about how things from the reading have still been showing up like even yesterday. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, just mind blowing. So you guys are in the best hands. Oh, thank you so much. That means the world. Of course. Oh, I'm so happy to know you. I'm you're so just, happy like, to know you. Yeah. We're, like we're very, Oh, I love that. Aloe vera to my heart. That's the best way to describe it. <laughs> I love it. Me too. Yeah. If you guys have any questions, you can always reach out to either of us. We are here to support you and help you and wherever you're at. So yeah, just take time to, to come home to you always. Always every day come home to you. Yes, absolutely. All right, guys. Thank you for tuning into that live. Sorry for the technical difficulty at the end. I hope this mic is still working. We're still uh, learning how to do all of these 
multiple platforms. So if you are here watching this on YouTube, thank you for tuning in. You can also watch that live if you want to be able to see both me and Nadia on Nadia's well, and also my IG page at Rachel underscore Kelly underscore coaching. So thank you guys for tuning in. I hope you have a beautiful day. Love you lots and always take time to come home to you. Mwah.